This is the Boiled Sports Podcast Network. system as we know it the bull system that i've enjoyed watching my whole life i've been a big proponent of bulls more football equals more better that bull system is broken clearly and there are a couple indicators around but to me aiden o'connell opting out might be the last draw the biggest canary in the mine like i said on the quick cast uh the biggest sign that something needs to be done quickly as soon as the college football world figures this out, the better. The sooner they figure it out, the better. I'm going to talk about it, but first let me thank our sponsors. Thanks to Martin Vintage. Head over to martinvintage.com. Enter Boiled Checkout. Get 15% off And when you're on campus. Go to AJ's on Vine. Burgers, beef, beer. Great people. A nice, uh, a nice atmosphere to watch sports. They got a lot of TVs. Good food. Funnel cake fries. Mac and cheese bites. Good sandwiches. Grab them. Uh, go over to AJ's on Vine, but before you go there, go to eatajs.com, pre-order, get the stuff you really like. When I look at the College Bowl system, I used to say it was you know, it was one thing where uh, the, the Motor City Bowl, Little Caesars Bowl, whatever, bowls like that, the 6-6 six and six bowls, the, the uh, Bowl in Yankee Stadium, the, um, the Cold Weather Bowls. They're not the most attractive thing to a lot of players. And a lot of players have started to see, hey, this might not be the best move for me, especially if they are uh, potential draft targets for the NFL. There's a lot of money on the line. The earlier the agents involved, the quicker they can get the ideas into the player's head and get the um, player to think of themselves as as much of a commodity as they think of themselves as. I don't know what transpired with Aiden O'Connell specifically, but here's what I do know. His wife... It was a was a uh, was an athlete. She understands that injury is part of the life in college sports, and maybe maybe her influence did something to Aiden O'Connell make him say, "Okay, I, I should take this seriously." Maybe going to the Citrus Bowl, playing in the Citrus Bowl, isn't the best move for me. Anybody that says they understand what's going through a player's head really doesn't know it unless they know the player well and are in their inner circle. They've got a lot of voices in their head. I'm not disparaging Aiden specifically, but I am saying because of Aiden O'Connell doing it, it's a sign of bigger things, and it's a sign of a major change. Years ago, I think it was Jadavion Clowney opted out of a bowl, if I remember correctly, or another Michigan player. Maybe it was um, Jabril Peppers. Um, I can't remember. Uh, but it was it was one of the first where I was like, oh man, these guys are just opting out of major bowls. And I think that was the Cap One Bowl or one of the bowls that was somewhat major. As I saw players opting out of smaller bowls, I was like it, it kind of shrugging. But now the Citrus Bowl is one of these bowls that I've thought, okay, this is a pretty good bowl. Most players are going to want to play in it. And this year, uh, Purdue is down, I think, five or six players as of right now as they prepare for the bowl. Five or six starters are not going to be available and all for various reasons, but the majority of them are they're trying to get ready for the NFL draft. So the question is, what's the way to fix the system? And how could how could college football get better at the postseason? Well, it's gotta be all about motivation. One thing that I think should should happen is the 
just like the NCAA tournament, there should be a, a tournament that comes first. They get first pickings of who they get. And that tournament, I will walk through what I think that tournament might look like, especially this year, based on uh, different metrics and based on the current situation and based on a framework that I think would work very well. And it would check off a lot of boxes for me as a fan. Number one, I think the bowls of the six and six teams and the seven uh, and five teams aren't great products. They're not a lot of fun to watch because the teams aren't that fun to watch. Sure, there may be a bright spot. And if you're a junkie like I am for college football, you might tune in. But outside of those diehards and then the, the families and the friends and the, uh, the, the tight fan bases of those two teams that are playing, Bulls like the Bahamas Bowl, Bulls like the Little Caesars, Detroit Motor City Bowl, whatever. Um, those Bulls don't attract a lot of light or a lot of eyeballs, don't attract a lot of attention. I believe if you made a tournament that was more like the NCAA tournament where you say, okay, we're taking the teams that deserve to be here and we're going to put them in the position they can win a championship and Cinderella can go on a run, I think you might have a little magic on your hands. Obviously, you can't say you want 64 teams because that many games, that many football games would really be difficult. The wear and tear on the player would be difficult. The amount of time would be difficult. That's another big thing that's a constraint that I think the NCAA um, won't step far out of their footprint. And I'll talk a, bit, a little bit about how that can be addressed as well. The first thing, here's what I would say. If, if there's going to be a tournament, I see a 28-team tournament uh, as a good uh a place to to land not not initially in, in fact you know the 12 team tournament is coming in what two years and i don't know if it's quite enough to get it done because the more i think about it the more i think these other bowl games that aren't really playing towards a championship aren't going to move the needle in fact you're seeing players opt out right now for the championship a player from ohio state i think has already opted out i think there's one other from one of the four teams that made the playoff so there's another motivator that I'm going to get to in a second that I think might be an important piece of the puzzle. Getting every team in the position where they will play for the championship, I think is a key and I think will play pretty big. And how would that work? So here's the way I would look at it. It's pretty simple. You have all the Power Five conferences right now and all the Group of Five uh, conferences. Okay, They would all be important in this new system. In our system, in my system, LBD helped me work this out. I'm calling it the Boiled Sports uh NCAA football tournament concept, all Power 5 conference championship participants will get an automatic bid. So that means the Big Ten championship. Obviously, I'm biased this year. Purdue went to the Big Ten championship. Purdue would get an automatic bid. And every team that played in their conference championship would get an automatic bid. So that, number one, makes the conference championship, regardless if it's two divisions or if it's a non-divisional thing and they just put one versus two, that means a game like Michigan versus Ohio State, the loser isn't going to be left at home, right? In fact, the loser is going to be rewarded because they've had such a good body of work. They've earned their way into this tournament. So all Power 5 teams, all Power 5 conference championship teams will get an auto bid. But the champions of the five champions, there will be four auto bids that will be given, and they will all be number one seeds in their bracket. I'll show you how this works in a second. But so, for instance, this year you would have Georgia would be a number one seed. Utah would be a number one seed. Michigan would be a number one seed. And Kansas State would be a number one seed. And overall, it would be, I believe it'd be 
according to the Massey rankings, which is what I'm using as the metric, and there could be any number, you could come out with something like the net in college basketball. You would have Georgia be the number one overall seed, Michigan be the number two, Utah would be number three, Kansas State would be the number four. Those are your four number ones in the region. The next piece is what are the next auto bids, right? Because just having the power five representative isn't really enough. So the next set of auto bids would be the group of five champs would all get an auto bid, not the group of five champion participants. The group of five champions would get that auto bid. Um, so that, that leaves you with 13 at-large bids, a pretty nice field, some room for teams that might have something special going that year that maybe their schedule didn't tell the whole story or how well they were playing at the end of the year wasn't seen in the beginning. But 13 at-large teams would get in. And the field this year would look something like this. I'll put it up on the screen here for a second. But you would have... <clears throat> The first round, the opening round of the tournament, would all be played at the higher seeds' home venue. So the overall, uh, the overall number five, the over okay, the number five overall team would be Ohio State, and they would be in the Orange region. Okay, so I named them after the Bulls. We were trying to figure out a way to do it: north, south, east, west, uh, north, south, midwest. Uh, West, something like that. Instead, we said, let's just name them after the region. So every year, that region would try to keep fans as close to home as possible. And you'll see how this works through. For instance, Ohio State is the number two team. They would be hosting uh, the number two team in the Orange region. They'd be hosting Fresno State. Still be a little cold this time of year. The tournament would begin two weeks after Thanksgiving. Every conference championship would be summed up, would be done on Thanksgiving week. You had all conference champions crowned um, during Thanksgiving. And so there, there's another issue that would have to work out logistically, and I think I've worked it out pretty well. You would cut the games down from 12 to 11 in the season. This would work in a lot of, a lot of positive ways, but one big one would be logistics on just getting the season done. You'd have 12 weeks to get 11 games in. And then those 11 games would lead to the conference championship, of course, many teams wouldn't get invited to their conference championship. They wouldn't make it. But then after that, you'd have one bye week. During that bye week, maybe the Army-Navy game would stay there and hold down the fort. I don't know. Maybe that week would become like feast week for basketball. Who knows? That doesn't matter really in this case. But it would be very logis logistically possible to say, okay, we've got 12 weeks to complete 11 games. By the way, it's not ancient history to say 11 games NCAA football um, was something that, that it's not an antiquated idea. It's not that old. Um, but this would help push down the wear and tear a bit on the players. So they would have 11 games and there'd be the conference championship. There's your 12th game. Then you would have the bye week, the off week. Then they would have the tournament and the home teams would host. The higher seeds would host that first round. So you'd have in my tournament again, you'd have Oregon State hosting Mississippi State. Then you'd have Tennessee hosting Minnesota. Then you'd have Ohio State hosting Fresno State. In the Fiesta region, you'd have Washington hosting Iowa, Oregon hosting Troy, Penn State hosting Toledo. And then in the Sugar region, you would have USC hosting Florida State, and then Clemson hosting Tulane, Bama hosting UNC. And then finally in the Peach region, LSU would host Notre Dame, Texas would host Purdue, 
and TCU would host University of Texas at San Antonio. All these teams would either be A, conference champs, conference runner-ups, or at-large teams, and they would all have earned their way in there. There'd be some interesting matchups and things would happen. Of course, Purdue going to Texas is one that would get our attention as Purdue fans um, in the Peach region. So you'd start out there. Then the second round would go from home games. So to, to drive down the cost a little bit, you'd have home games. That would give the champ another another time, a reward for their fans near the near home. The season ticket holders would get a little bit of a gift there. The next round would be hosted in A, Indoor indoor stadiums, and we figured out if every if you say every sixty thousand seat indoor arena or indoor football stadium is in the running, and then on top of that, warm weather venues that may be current bowl games, they could also be in the running. Places like San Diego would be in the running. Places like Tampa Bay would be in the running. So in the Orange region, you'd have uh, Georgia would be the number one seed. They'd be playing the winner of Oregon State and Mississippi State in Raymond James Stadium. And then Raymond James Stadium would host one more game. Maybe these would be Friday-Saturday games. We think that would work really well. Friday would be good, and you'd have kind of a carnival atmosphere with all four teams um, there for this game. And it would work out quite well with TV. It would work out well with travel. And you'd have a little bit of that feel from the NCAA basketball tournament. All positive there. Down in the Fiesta region, Utah would be hosting the winner of Washington, Iowa, and they'd be playing in Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders currently play on Friday night. And then on the Saturday game, that would be, uh, again, in Allegiant Stadium, the winner of the Oregon-Troy game, the winner of Penn State of Toledo. Over in the Sugar region, Ford Field would host. Michigan would be the, would be the host of this, this region. Ford Field would get two games. And then in the Peach region, Kansas State would be the would be the overall number one there, and you'd have the winner of LSU, and then uh, the winner of Purdue Texas versus the winner of TCU, UTSA played in Lucas Oil Stadium. All of these places are kind of tried and true. They've all worked. They know the logistics of a bowl game, and I don't think it's that hard of, hard of a stretch to have a second game in two days after you, your team wins and you go into the next round. Now the region, the name of your region. Um, the Orange Bowl, this is your host of the next game, the championship of that region. The Orange Bowl would host the winner of Georgia and whomever. And then in the next region, the Fiesta region, the Fiesta Bowl, of course, would host. And then in the Sugar region, the Sugar Bowl would host. And then the Peach region, the Peach Bowl would host. The winners of those would go to the semifinal, and those would be played in the Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl this year, and then the championship would be rotating. Every year, the really cool thing I think about this system is the big bowls would stay intact. The orange, the fiesta, the sugar, the peach, the rose, the cotton would all remain intact, would all remain important. And then on top of that, the additional other bowls could keep their name maybe for the event, but one cool thing, the next catch, is that we're not telling the bulls, the other bulls, to stop existing, to cease existing. What we're saying in this case is after Selection Sunday or Selection Saturday or whatever it turns out to be, after that's over, the next step would be the bulls would get to pick whoever they wanted. After those top 28 teams are gone, they're gobbled up, then those teams would get their spot in a bull as long as those bulls would exist. Okay, you may say, okay, well, there's, there's still going to be tons of opt-outs, right? Now, here's my catch. 
here's the the another exclamation point i looked at a little bit of revenue and currently right now if if any school from your conference goes to one of the fiesta orange peach rose sugar and cotton it looks like every school in the big 10 i use the big 10 as an example here would clear about 5.3 million dollars every school in the big 10 so I believe, if I understand this correctly, because it's really tough to figure out exactly how this all works out. It's pretty murky water. But I believe, so this year you would have three teams from the Big Ten in one of those bowls. So every team in the conference would clear $15.9 million. This comes from a pool of about $160 million for the major bowls, and that's distributed among conferences. And then those conferences can decide how it's used. In the major conferences, it's pretty much just spread out evenly. I don't know if that's the case in the lower conferences. Then you go and there's a greater pool of money. I believe it's about another $195 million among all the bowls, all the TV gener uh, money that's generated, according to negotiations, that is spread out among the schools. So there's a payday every year for every school. The larger conferences, the more teams that are in the championships, that sort of thing, the more money that's spread out. In this system, there'd obviously be, have to be logistics that would be worked out. But I believe the pool would actually grow pretty significantly, pretty quickly in this new tournament system because you would have more eyes on this championship. You would have more eyes on this tournament than you currently do on the Bulls because the Bulls, as we said, are slowly wilting and fading. So there's one advantage. Every team that makes that final group of 28 is playing for a championship. The next advantage, and I think this is very feasible, when we look at numbers like $195 million or $165 million spread out among five conferences, six conferences, however it's done, depending upon that rule. Um, the next thing is the motivator for the individual players. And I've done some math. I think it works out pretty well. If you have a $14.7 million pool that comes from advertising partners and uh, naming rights of different venues uh, for different games, 14.7 gets this done. And I'm taking the given that every roster is 105 players, okay? In this, in my system, in my concept, it would be $20,000 payout for every player who makes the final four. So that means... The first couple rounds, everybody's kind of playing for pride, playing to get their team to the next step to play for a championship. But if you get to that final four, every player would take home $20,000. And you could make the argument, this is a legitimate name, image, likeness um, payout. Because these players become the name, the face of these bowl games, of these championship games. $20,000 payout for making the final four. $20,000 for making the championship, and finally, $20,000 for winning the championship. That means every player on the roster for a team like Georgia would make a $60,000 bonus if they won the championship. Same goes for a team like Toledo. If they made a, a Cinderella run and got all the way to the Final Four, I don't know if it's the case with Toledo, but if we look at, a, I, I think Purdue would be a Cinderella, and I'm sure there'd be bonuses for coaches, pretty hefty bonuses in this situation that bonus structures would change but a sixty thousand dollars or just a twenty thousand dollar bonus to get to the final four that's a pretty good mo motivator for the general rosters now is it enough to say players won't opt out i don't know but it is a real motivator it's real money and the exposure would definitely better be better and bigger than the current system
I did a little bit more research looking at just general bowls. This year, the champion, I believe, of the uh, Citrus Bowl, I believe the school takes home about $8 million. And last year in the Music City Bowl, it was five. This money gets chopped up pretty quickly, I'm told. Uh, the costs of the of moving all those people, the whining and dining that happens, buying of tickets ahead of the time. Uh, also, there is a, I think, $2.7 million um, kind of a logistic dome that every school gets that goes to a bowl uh, in a major conference. But I look at a basic framework and the idea of a college football fan wanting postseason to mean something. That's probably the biggest thing as a fan. And we are in flux right now as college football fans. And the sport is in flux with the advent of NIL, of course, and the additional strain on the game with transfer the transfer portal obviously one thing in the ncaa and it's probably not going to be the ncaa to clear it up because they haven't been able to do anything really effectively but one thing that has to happen is early signing day has to get moved back that's a big deal and then the transfer portal maybe it doesn't open until all the postseason is clear maybe something like that you say you can't enter the portal until this tournament is over, and then that next day the portal opens, and maybe early signing is the week after that. But that's something the college football powerhouses, if it's super conference, whatever it is, if it's the NCAA that still exists, they've got to figure it out. And it probably means a much bigger organization, and many more problems are at hand, meaning you're going to need a commissioner of college football that oversees the whole thing. You can look over the tournament again. Tell me your thoughts. I appreciate your time. This is a bit of a different quick cast, but it's something that really had me thinking and getting my son involved in the project was a lot of fun. Let me know what your thoughts are. Hope to talk to you soon. God bless you. Hammer down. We'll see you. Thanks for tuning in to the Boiled Sports Podcast Network. Boiled Sports. BS all the time.